Hello, welcome to Cold Pizza. My name is Rusty and I'm a pastor here at Christ the Lord Church in Dayton, Ohio. This is our weekly podcast where we take the opportunity to squeeze out every last bit we can from the proclamation of God's Word on Sunday. It's our chance to sit down with the preacher and tackle any further questions, applications, or other bits of leftover crust to chew on that didn't make it into the main meal. So grab a slice and join us this week with Pastor Matt. What's up, man? This week we were titled uh, Untethered Desires from Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 11. And uh, we'll talk about this in a minute, but we decided to separate this passage into two weeks, have a two-parter. So this week we kind of zeroed in on Jesus as the ultimate temptation victor. Uh, You had three main points with us that kind of correlated with the three temptations. And that he desired sustenance through food, but he fled to God, the only sustainer. Jesus desired to know God's will, but he fled to faith. And Jesus desired the nations, but he fled to the righteous route, a route. Yeah, whatever. Route, route. Route. Yeah, so um, let's talk about, again, I I think you touched on at the beginning. I was kind of coming and getting settled too. Uh, Why the desire specifically of this passage um, to, to, to drop into two weeks? Um, mostly because I just had too much to say and, um, I mean, that's not, that's not much to maybe something new, (laughs) much to maybe most people's surprise. Uh, that, uh, that's generally not the case for me. I mean, I, I probably generally say too much, but I don't generally feel like I have too much to say. Mm -hmm. Um, I've just been preaching long enough now that I, I kind of know what I need in the tank in order to know, like, in order to expel what I need to expel on Sundays. And um, generally, um, uh, there. So when when I when I get to this point, and I was studying last week, um, I knew really coming into this that part two was something that I really wanted um, to deal with, something I thought would be really helpful for our people. Mm-hmm. So as I started to prep, I, I kind of had that target in mind, um, not as like a guiding thing, but like I, 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 want to, I, I want to either land here or incorporate this somewhere. So that idea, I just went ahead and kind of worked it out because it was it was fresh on my mind. It was it was there. It was kind of coming to me. I'm like, all right, I'm going to put this. I'm going to set it just aside. Then I went from there to all right. I'm I'm going to work through the passage and teach through the passage and uh, and prep that way. So that's that's not. I mean, sometimes prep looks that way, but this time it definitely looked that way. So as I'm working through the passage, I'm going, oh man, like, I mean, there's just a lot here. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a, there's a lot to deal with, and um, I don't believe it's just saying the same thing three times over. I think mm-hmm. there's unique aspects to each yeah. one of these. So then, by the time um, you work through that and the application, and you set the whole thing up. Mm-hmm. I literally just looked down at my word count because I kept the other section, what I wanted, I just kept it at the bottom of my document mm-hmm. so that I I, I had a, a running total. So then by the time I got done, I just was you know way over. I mean, I, yeah. 
I usually shoot 2,500 to 3,000 words for my manuscripts. And of course, I add more to that on the on the fly. But Yeah, but it's not uncommon for you to come in on a Wednesday or Thursday and be like, ah, oh, i got to cut 500 words or yeah, 1,000 yeah. words. Yeah, I usually have like that too much, but not like not like 2,500 words too much. Yeah. Um, and, 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 to, and also, I don't want to belabor this point, but, but also those extra words that I had that I had already crafted at the beginning was also like, I don't know, 30 or 40% of what needed to be said there. It was basically just an outline. Mm-hmm. So outline and some sub points. So I knew that there there had to be transitions and just yeah, a bunch kind of, of examples. I didn't have the scripture references actually in because I included those in my word counts. And mm-hmm. I didn't have any of that. So I'm going, man. So then I had to ask the question, is this other thing important enough? Mm-hmm. And so that's when I, I slipped into your office and was kind of bouncing some of that off of you and kind of feeling some of the waters there and just getting another elder's opinion and and uh, I walked away from that conversation going, this really, I think, will be something we should address. And, and right now is the right moment. Um, this passage kind of uh, provides the, the opportunity to, to do this. And, um, and so then it became, all right, well, if I'm going to address this, how? Yeah. And then it was, well, can I, can I cut this in any way? Can I, can I shrink part of this, you know? And just at the end of the day, just trying to be a faithful shepherd with people that I know, mm. uh, and, and no offense to anybody here, but it was going to be just too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, it's too much concept to to try to string together into, you know, 60 minutes. One package, yeah. Yeah, because I, I like, I, I already know generally on a normal sermon when I'm going to lose certain people. I mean, i I can almost see it in their faces, and I can almost tell you at what point in any given sermon, person A is going to glaze over, um, and person B is going to glaze over here, and some people don't make it out of the intro, uh, <laughs> and so, no, I'm, and I'm being dead serious about this, so sometimes I, I pack my biggest punches for those people who I know won't make it out of the intro, I may I put my biggest punches that I think apply to them in the intro, Yeah. Um, and those people that that I know can hang with me to the end, and you know, then, then I can, I have a little more freedom with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm just calling that faithful shepherding for the record. Mm-hmm. Some might call it being mean, but, uh, I would call it quite the opposite. Um, so anyways, all to say, so you, you have that, but then second of all, uh, or you have that, what I mean by ha- you have that you have, I had to separate just cause of time, just cause of, uh, trying to be gracious to where people are at and their own abilities and so on and so forth mentally and, you know, all this. Um, but then second, there's uh, part two is really, um, um, all right, this is what's happened in the passage. Now what? Mm-hmm. And next week is kind of the now what? I did some of the now what this week with, um, all right, so how are we tempted in these same ways? Mm-hmm. But there's like a, a next uh, layer mm-hmm. um, that is... So how do we think about ourselves um, in the process of temptation? Yeah. Right? So here we just looked at Jesus. He was tempted. Here's what he did instead. Um, And then where are we tempted with the same things? And how, uh, what we should believe instead? 
but next week is so what is the process of that mm-hmm. um you have the desire you have the temptation yeah and then you either have then then the road forks mm-hmm. or it wise uh the two prongs you either flee or you sin mm-hmm. uh and then you've got repentance mm-hmm. and so then the question is is does repentance belong on both uh wise on you know both prongs of the fork yeah or does it only belong on one prong of the fork Mm -hmm. or and if and if it belongs on one prong of the fork does anything else belong on the other prong of the Mm -hmm. fork with the fleeing yeah and is is there anything over there that has anything to do with sin as well because we also have desires that are evil unlike jesus Mm -hmm. so what how do we how do we work through that and i think because most of us don't have a robust way of working through that, that's at least part of the reason why many of us don't overcome sin. Mm. Um, because I, I think there's a missing component that we should understand, particularly when it comes to fleeing a temptation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm, I'm not going to say much more than that. But there's a particular component that I think is missing for most of us there. Yeah. Um, and, and what we do is we end up treating the fleeing from temptation quite similar to the way we uh, treat as if we had sinned. Mm -hmm. And because we treat them both the same way, uh, we miss out on the, the joy and the affirming and the, the uh, boosting effect, if you will, of the victory of the victory. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because I think we treat it like we do sin. We don't have a distinction there. And then we um, get some weird false humility in there too, and mm-hmm. on something it should give you confidence. Yeah, all sorts of that stuff. And I think it was, it was wise. I mean, we talked last week, but it's interesting in a uh, in gospels, you kind of back out to like what's our responsibility as pastors and preachers, and you have these instances here where you're dealing with narrative. So, what is actually going on with Jesus, and what's Matthew's intent with that? We got to be faithful to that. Mm-hmm. Then there's, we still always in preaching have to command the will. So mm-hmm. what? how does that fit with that? And mm-hmm. then here we've got then uh, essentially an, um, an implied instruction to us, right? Because mm-hmm. it's not the, the, ex- the explicit instruction we're getting ready to get on the Sermon on the Mount. It's an implied instruction of like, okay, but you're different and this is your experience of it. Yeah. So all those are, you know, swarming around in this yeah. section. So I think that's really... Well, the best way to split those up and handle them. That's right. Well, you know, one of the one of the joys of like preaching through a gospel versus which is narrative and parables and such versus preaching through uh, like Acts, mm-hmm. which is very narrative as well, or or you know the Old Testament, for example, is that clearly we here we can say Jesus did this and you should do likewise. Mm-hmm. Um, as where in you know in other narratives it's like oh, well is it prescriptive? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what Paul did, um, or is it just descriptive of what Paul did here? And we can do it or not do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's prescriptive and it's not an incommunicable attribute, then then we should uh, imitate it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we should we should do likewise. And so then, so part of the thing that we're going to answer next week is so well, then how do I do likewise? Yeah, yeah. How do I do like Jesus did here? And in order to do that, we have to talk about, again, desires, temptations, fleeing, sin, repentance, sin nature, and a sin. 
Yeah, so let's talk about the part of that that touched this week, and it comes from your title um, of Untethered Desires. <laughs> what Excuse then me. is the tethered that should be the tethering that should be there? Yeah, I, I don't want to. I, I'm going to rehash this a little bit again on Sunday, um, just because I. Because um, you're diving into our hearts. What? You're going to be diving into our hearts. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, well, well, yeah, somebody diving into our hearts m- more pointedly, but, but also I just, I, I really think we, we treat this passage like, a, um, you know, man, there's my reverse card, mm-hmm. right? We're playing Uno, reverse, yeah. reverse, you know? Um, or this is my Trump card, you're playing Euchre, or uh, my wild card, right? I'm going to put this down, and this is my escape, and... Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just uh, 100% not what Jesus is doing. Yeah, your counter spell for you yeah. magic the gathering nerds. <laughs> that's right. I right. hear you. Um, so uh, Jesus, like, I mean, we see early on in his life where he's in the temple and he's learning God's word. Yeah, and he's knowing it, and it is, and it is becoming a part of the very fabric of his being. Mm-hmm. And I'm afraid that what a lot of us do is we just do external rituals with the Bible. Well, I mean, I in, exchange, in exchange for um, true heart, yeah. belief, conviction, transformation. Mm-hmm. Loving th- it. That's all that Jesus did. Yeah. C- and we, but we feel like we can check off our box. Mm-hmm. Like, like watching The Chosen... Doesn't count as reading your Bible. It does not. Matter of fact, you just shouldn't watch the chosen anyways. But it certainly doesn't count as reading your Bible. Mm-hmm. You're watching some other idiot's interpretation of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Someone who, by the way, supports the He Gets Us campaign. Yeah. So that's what you're getting. Mm-hmm. You're getting the He Gets Us campaign in the chosen. And we wonder why, uh, first of all, that all we throw at, at Satan is some external Bible verses. Mm-hmm. And then, two, we wonder why we just end up doing the same sin again. Yeah. And then we wondered, third, the, then everyone around you wonders why you're a hypocrite. <laughs> like, just for the record. That's kind of how that works. Uh, not you, but them, yes. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, we, we talk about in our counseling classes and biblical theology, um, I tell people, I said, a good practice for beginning this journey. I'm very clear on the beginning part. You need to know three verses that talk about every topic in life. The Bible is sufficient for all things, right? Mm-hmm. So you need an you need an Old Testament passage. You need a, a gospel passage. You need a new uh, a Pauline letter passage that talks about these things. So you know what the whole Bible has to say about a topic. That's that's the beginning part for what we talk about, right? Mm-hmm. So in in biblical theology and systematic theology, when we talk about actually developing a doctrine, you have your normative, which is what does the Bible have to say about it. Mm-hmm. Then the personal, who are you in light of everything, uh, the fall and where we are in time. And then your situational knowledge. Those three things combined to what does the doctrine look like for today. So, yes, just taking your little post-it note with your Bible verse and throwing at it Satan. He's not intimidated by that, okay? That's not the that's not the sword that you're told to draw um, and, and throw. Now, you can use it and develop it into one, and that's what you see Jesus here with the tethering to mm-hmm. the right good thing, to the understanding of who the Lord is, the actual loving. So, yeah, when we talk about our mission of no love and obey, we can't just park it at no as much mm-hmm. as we like to exercise that part. Yeah, if if you're going to do that, if you're just going to park it at no and writing it on a Post-it note, you might as well just make an airplane out of that Post-it note and 
fling it at the situation because mm-hmm. it's going to have no more effect. Uh, or, uh, it's going to have the same effect as as your actual writing on that piece of paper. I know a lot of you do post-it notes and you can still do that. You need to love the post-it note. <laughs> so it's funny. It's funny, that, it. it's funny that you say that because literally in my script at this moment, I could change it at any time, uh, even in the moment, uh, is uh, the idea of you can have your sticky notes all over the place. Yeah. So it's funny you say that because, that, that, yeah, I was just working on my sermon this morning. <laughs> it's in there. So, yes, you can do your sticky notes. You should do them. Um, but if you have a verse that hits you hard and you write it down and then you don't spend any more time the next week reading your Bible, mm-hmm. you might as well just turn that sticky note into an airplane mm-hmm. and fling it the next time yeah. you're faced with temptation. Like the, the Jesus's point at the very, very beginning is man should not live by bread alone, but by by the very words mm-hmm. the, and, and, and the implications, every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Yeah, eat them. So it's not, don't hear me, don't take this the wrong way, because I think it could take me two ways. What I don't mean is like that, that you're reading, you know, just vast amounts of your Bible mm-hmm. all, all the time. His point is that you are utterly dependent upon God's Word. Mm-hmm. That's what you have to have. Um, now, the implication then is if you are utterly dependent upon God's Word, then you should know vast amounts of God's Word. Mm-hmm. Um but don't mistake knowing vast amounts of parts of God's word for being utterly dependent on God's yeah. words. So one, it's 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 a posture of humility that would say I'm dependent here. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the positive side of that, that it is sufficient. Mm-hmm. I'm dependent. It's sufficient. Boom. We we have a match made in heaven. Mm-hmm. Like imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of brings me to one of the last things I wanted to touch on. Um, and that was particularly in number three. Um, I mean, it, it shows up in a couple <clears throat> other components, but in number three, it, it was Jesus desired the nations, but he fled to, to the righteous route. And and one of the dangers with these uh, temptations is that we can just do the the Jesus juke aspect of it. Like, was it really that tempting to him? He owned it all already, right? Hmm. That type of thing. <laughs> Uh, which I we think did, you, well, you then, then we just we just do that to write it off. Yeah. You know? Well. Yeah. Exactly. And and to remember because uh, I was reading something from uh, J. C. Ryle talking about the nature of Satan and the, this encounter. Mm-hmm. And this is Satan's like three shots. He's gonna throw his A yeah. game at Jesus. Yeah. So showing him the nations was actually tempting. Um, it, it touched some kind of button. That's what he's he's pulling it out for. But you said, and breaking that one down, that the temptation here was to gain a good thing in a cheap way. And um, you you did lean into more of the cheap cheap way aspect of talking about how uh, it'll be difficult and recognizing that um, it's, it's through faith and through, through trusting the Lord that we get these things. I want to zero in on the, prece- and, uh, uh, the preceding aspect of a good thing. Yeah. What... Um, not necessarily what was it about the nations that was tempting to him. I mean, you can touch on that if you want to as a as a launch pad. But I think there's the danger, first of all, that we don't actually want good things or that we need to want gooder things. Because mm-hmm. um, in my mind, thinking about this, I'm thinking back to what we've already been exposed to, and that is the kingdom, right? The kingdom is here. Uh, that's what we're pursuing. But we haven't actually gotten a picture of what that is is yet. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's coming in the Sermon on the Mount more specifically. 
Uh, but but so far we don't we just know that God's pleased with His Son, and the fact that the kingdom's here and mm. repentance is a big part of it. And we know that Jesus somehow represents that kingdom. Yeah. Right? So well, how do we so, how do we lean into that good thing? All right. Let me answer a question you're not asking, but for the sake of people's learning abilities mm-hmm. and and growing in their ability to learn. Is what I mean. Um, anytime we speak, anytime I teach, anytime. You know, you're revealing information. Uh, I heard uh, Albert Muller talk about this today about the Southern Baptist Convention, and it was just a helpful thought. I thought I'd share it here because it's applicable. You, we always live, particularly as communicators, in the tension of what we can assume and what we must make explicit. Mm-hmm. And so he was using that in the sense of what do we put in our confessions and what do we not, mm. right? So... And, and his point was, there are going to be things that we're going to have to make explicit that we don't have words for right now, mm. right? As, as, as evil finds other creative ways to express itself, uh, we're going to have to find words to, um, to deny that, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, and, but, but we will always live in the tension of what we must make explicit and what we can assume. So with that said, in this moment, just so that you know, and it's okay, this is just a natural consequence of life and time and restraints and mental abilities, that, that you're going to reveal uh, or make explicit some things and um, not, and leave implied or leave assumed and other things. And, and, uh, um, and so at this point, you know, I chose to let the definition of the good thing um, be assumed. Um, and I would also say that at this point, the emphasis is not on the, the good thing, but the emphasis is on the cheap way. Mm-hmm. So I know I didn't need to give a defense to you for that decision, but I'm saying that more, more for people listening, like, Hey, so why do we do that? Why do we not do this? And, you know, cause you know, everything I just said. Yep. So I'm, tr- I'm trying to say, Hey, there's this crust. Let's make it a stuffed crust. That's right. Let's put some <laughs> good cheese in it. Um, so, with all that said, like, what is what is the why is this a good thing? Uh, what I was what I was thinking, and I hope this answers your question, is I think unlike um, some garden expanding deniers, Jesus would disagree with you. Um, and I think what what's happening. What I mean by that is there there are some people who would deny that the garden is meant to be expanded, right? Um, that, that was, that was Adam and Eve's role was to, to bring God's image through, um, their offspring that would bring the image of God in its order and, um, uh, hierarchy and submission and such to creation beyond the human race. Uh, they, they were to do that and that would expand the kingdom of God to the face of the earth, right? Um, God had formed, the order here is important, God had formed the garden after creation in front of Adam's eyes and then put him in to do likewise, right? So Jesus understands that, that the whole earth is to be filled, in a sense, with the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Um. Then you have, and this is why I argued back in Joshua, that it was sin for the two and a half tribes to stay out of 
uh, I would say on the other side of the Jordan, because at that point in the the redemption story, um, they were to be together in the promised land. Mm-hmm. Now, I argued back then, I'll say the same thing now. They, they were in the intention was, though, that they would go beyond all the way to the river Euphrates, right? Mm-hmm. That they were to move beyond. Well, and the point is, it wasn't even to stop there. Mm-hmm. It was to, again, fill the whole earth with the kingdom of God, um, which is what? I would, we've talked about this you know, years ago. It's God's place, God's rule, uh, and his subsequent blessing. I'm sorry, God's place, God's people under his rule, and subsequent blessing. So what Jesus is, when Jesus looks out, so you got to have that in the back of your mind. I, I believe Jesus 100% would have had this in the back of his mind. As he looks out at the nations, what does he see? Like when he looks out at the nations, he sees the backdrop of human redemptive history. Mm-hmm. And he, from there, he sees where it is, has been to him prophetically told that is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, I think I think Jesus would have learned this from the scriptures, and would have been by the power of the Spirit recalling what he had learned in the scriptures. And when he looks out at the nation, when Jesus, or I'm sorry, when Satan shows him the nations, what Jesus would look out and see is the glory of God spread throughout the entire earth, where all nations are. Um, living and reflecting the glory of God under his rule uh, and his reign and his subsequent blessing. So when Jesus sees, Jesus sees way more than Satan himself sees. Now, Satan knew the scriptures. Satan knows where this is headed to, right? Mm-hmm. Satan knows that the scriptures are foretelling mm-hmm. that one day all of the nations will bow the knee to Jesus, mm-hmm. that they will all image the glory of God and not his. Mm-hmm. So, so Satan, Satan has a masterful picture of this as well. Mm-hmm. And Jesus has an even better picture of this as well because he's understanding the scriptures with an, uh, with an untainted nature, right? Yeah. So he, he's hearing the scriptures, he's reading them, he's, he- he's interpreting them perfectly. Mm-hmm. And he looks out, seeing something um, infinitely more beautiful than even Satan understands. Mm-hmm. And the temptation here at the moment is, and I could get all of that a cheap way. But he'd be deceived too. He'd get Satan's vision of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's not right. even the full, the, what was promised. Yeah, yeah. So when 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 Jesus is looking at the nations, I think he is seeing Genesis one and two fulfilled. He's seeing Israel taking the land fulfilled Mm -hmm. and when john is saying the kingdom of heaven is upon you that's what he's saying yeah he's saying the seed of that kingdom is here Mm -hmm. it's planted its roots are going into the soil as we speak Mm -hmm. and one day that tree of life Mm -hmm. now will will give life to a new race that will inhabit every corner of the earth and will display without sin the, the perfection of the glory of God. That they will do that mm-hmm. as a race. And that seed of that kingdom, I am dunking in the water right now. 
That's the picture. So when Jesus, when Jesus looks out, um, I think he sees um, infinitely more than what you and I could fathom. Mm-hmm. And I think you, you brought this up before we started recording, but um, I mean, Satan's got three shots um, and he's smart. What's he go after Jesus with? Mm-hmm. Um, can, are you sure you can trust the father that he'll rescue you? Mm-hmm. Right. Are you sure you can trust the father that he can sustain you? Mm-hmm. And are you sure you can trust the father that his plan is the best way to accomplish this goal? Mm-hmm. And all three times Jesus says, no, I trust the father. Mm-hmm. I trust his plan. I trust his sustaining work. I trust him. Yeah. Yep. This so. is a slightly different way of saying, did he really say? No, it's exactly. It is just a repeat of the garden. I hope people saw that. I hope they saw a repeat of the wilderness. That's what it's supposed to be. Right? Yep. Jesus, Jesus is, is literally reenacting those, those things so that he can be the, the new Adam, the new Noah. Yeah. Right. Like that's, that's the picture. I mean, Paul calls him the second Adam. A shoot from the stump of Jesse. Yep. So not a seed, but a shoot. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's super, that's super helpful. Um, again, we're, we're trying not to just reiterate Sunday. You can listen to the sermon again. I'm trying to either unpack a different angle, ask some different questions with it, uh, get some stuffed crust in our pizza. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for tackling those things. Yeah. Um, really try in your home groups to, to stay on this leg of it. Um, well, we're going to explore pretty fully the more you side of it, even though there's there was a really good application, particularly in that third point of this good thing that we're chasing and what we're cheap ways. So stay on the cheap way. Stay on the, <laughs> on the stuff that with, with Christ this week. Um, we'll unpack our side of it a lot more this coming week. But hope that this has been helpful for you guys. Uh, again, if you guys have questions, please send them in to, to Pastor Jeff, uh, and we'll get them on the show. Um, I mean to ask that every week, but... I want to encourage you, as always, to go know, love, and obey Jesus as Lord over all. We'll see you next time.